What's going on guys, your boy Elroy here and welcome back to the Your Boy Elroy MMA Podcast. I'm your host Josh Preppy Gina and I'm here with my good buddy Andre Rodriguez. Andre, what's going on? What's going on Prep? Yeah, before we get into anything, I would like to thank our buddy Zeus for coming on the last few weeks. Uh, this week he could not come on, but Zeus, you know you're always welcome and we hope to see you next week. Andre, it's been a pretty decent week of news this week, so if you don't mind, I'd love to get right into it. Um, so when we first started this podcast, we talked a lot about uh, the greatest of all time, and it got to like a point where we're like, all right, I don't think we can have this conversation anymore like because it's beating a dead horse. Um uh, there's different eras and you know you can't really compare a fighter in this era versus like uh uh hoist gracie or somebody like that like there's no way i can compare henry cejudo to hoist gracie do you agree i agree with that being said what do you make of mick crazy's like talk about being the greatest of all time because one um my biggest stance is that he there is no way that this man is the greatest of all time and two um like how how does he come to this conclusion like he's delusional i get it that you're you're trying to stir up something but i thought his thought process was ridiculous andre what do you think yeah i think that the two main things that he will go down for at the end of his career is being the greatest risk taker and the greatest trash talker. I think that throughout, you know, McNugget's career, he's kind of made this name for himself in the sense of always going for the biggest names and the most dangerous guys and the people who have that strap right there on their shoulder and he's just been adamant on winning gold and really doesn't care who has it. He's just willing to go and get it. And on top of that, he talks the heaviest crap I've ever seen. And he electrifies everybody who's listening and pumps them up and really gets them to believe that he is the best. But when we're talking about the GOAT conversation... There are so many variables and so many factors that are involved in that conversation that I can't really at this moment put him into it, mainly because there are a lot of other fighters who have definitely staked a much more credible claim to that throne, you know, especially like guys like John Jones, guys like Anderson Silva, George St. Pierre, Demetrius Johnson. And just a wealth of names that have that I can continue to bring up. But I think that this man, one, has to continue to be consistent in the cage. And he definitely also has to prove that he's willing to win a title and defend. Yeah, I just, like you said, maybe the greatest draw at this moment. Um, trash talker, bar none. You know, one, I can argue for, like, somebody like Chael being better than him. Because Chael had, like, trash talk that was, like, substantial. 
like Chael came at like your like a wrestling promo where um McGregor really has like that wow factor when it comes to trash talk like oh my god I can't believe he said that you know what I mean like and I think Chael as a pure trash talker was just better and it was it was very clear evident that it was because of his love for professional wrestling he he worked like a like a heel um but mcgregor is more of that like oh like your mom's uh you know what you know what i mean like he's one of those uh if you remember when he said khabib's wife is a towel like that was like whoa too far um and what else did you said he was a good trash talker and oh uh, yeah i think he at selling a fight he he can sell salt to a slug as they say like ultimate salesman he'll make you want to see him versus khabib tomorrow you know like he can make well maybe not me and you but like anybody else like you tell them oh i'll fight khabib again like remember what we did in the first fight like whether i win lose or draw everybody bought that thing like yes true you're right and I'm probably going to buy it again. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I do like that he gave Anderson his props. Obviously, Anderson, my my favorite MMA fighter of all time. I do think that he was one of the greatest of all time. Just like I do think Demetrius Johnson was that good. The only thing is Anderson had the tougher competition. Now, even when I look at like John Jones, I'm like, oh, well, you know, a lot of those guys... You know, you could say where they were in their prime, but like, were they? Like, were they really in their prime? No, they. He was catching people at the end, at the end of their career. You know, kind of like that legend killer. Like, and I don't really get down with that. Now, don't get me wrong, John Jones is still doing it at a high level, not as dominant, but he's there, and he's still the champ. So you can't really say anything. With that being said, let's continue on John Jones. Uh, Dana White put out, he was in an interview, and he said basically for what John Jones was asking, at this point in time, it doesn't make sense. He's probably never going to make that against Francis, so he's clearly moving on from that. Now, John Jones went on prior to this comment to say that the UFC was kind of being unprofessional. I agree with Dana. Uh, how about you reiterate, because I think we talked about it last week, but like, with now knowing Dana's stance, like, publicly stated, like, do you still think this is something where it's like, yeah, bro, if you ask him for that much money, like, not today? Yeah, I mean, this definitely isn't the first time we've seen this. I know that Demetrius Johnson, when he was first slated to fight Dillashaw before all of the mishaps in Dillashaw's career happened, he had asked for, like, $15 million. And he's like, dude, if he's going to come down to flyway, I want a good payday. Because there's no telling if this guy's going to make weight. And then we had another um, situation where T. Wood was set to fight and defend his belt. And he had said multiple times that he wanted to get paid at least $10 million for his fights. But here's the thing. If you don't have the draw power like a guy like McGregor, you can't really have an asking price. Because... You're, even though you might be champion, the UFC can only go far, uh, like to a certain extent, to which they pay you. 
And in his case, I can imagine, you know, his asking price for that fight might have been a little over the top. Now, granted, you know, we've seen some crazy instances like John Jones's last title fight against Dominic Reyes. He he made what five hundred and forty thousand dollars, right? Just yes. a flat rate. And then Khabib fighting Dustin Poirier won $6 million. Think about that. John Jones has been a champion longer and has technically never lost. But yet, he's not making the same thing. And why? It's because he doesn't possess the kind of draw power. And in turn, it's also not really his fault because like you touched on, there really isn't a lot of stiff competition currently and the light heavyweight division. The only fight that I could have seen him making over two to three million dollars was that Gustafson fight, if it was more competitive. But unfortunately for Gustafson, it wasn't. But at the end of the day, yes, it is a risk to fight a guy like Nganu, but it's a risk that John does not have to take. At this stage of his career, with the performances that he's had in the past against, you know, the more younger and tougher competitors in his weight division he's kind of shown that even though he's still a little young he is kind of on the tail end of his career and that's why I kind of wasn't sold on the whole Nganu fight although I would have loved to see it because that is definitely um you know one of those fights where you just kind of have to sit in and watch but um it was like I was saying last week it was either going to be a one-punch knockout in the first round for Nganu or a five-round snooze fest, or submission victory for Jones. And that's not what people want to see. What people really want to see is a fight like Stipe and Ganu 1, where you have two guys that are going to clash and go head-to-head for five rounds and put it all out in the line. And that's something that guys like McGregor brings. But John Jones is not a risk-taker. He's more of a strategist. So, yeah, I don't think he will ever get that payday, but you never know. Yeah, so from one delusional fighter to another, uh, maybe another few. Let's talk about Colby Covington and Mike Perry. Now, Colby Covington and Mike Perry recently both, you know, put out statements kind of talking down to coaches in MMA and claiming that their next, you know, Colby leaves ATT, says he's all about uh, Covington Industries or something like that. And Mike Perry says that he's done with coaches. Uh, His next fight, it'll be like his girlfriend in his corner and a friend of hers or something ridiculous. How, to you, Andre, how important is having a coach in your corner? Uh, The one thing that I can think of is... um, the first performance of Diego Sanchez with that one dude, which was, I believe, the Michael Chiesa fight. Awful. I remember like him just getting steamrolled and his coach being like, you're doing... Or the guy being like, you're doing great. And I was like, what? Like, who? why isn't somebody like slapping this dude in the face and telling him, like, no, he's not? Um, how important is a coach to a fighter especially a high level fighter as Covington and Mike Perry I mean it's the same thing as kind of like a you know back in the old days um you know when you had kings they had to have 
kind of like a right-hand man or consultants um, always in the throne room when they were having discussions about, you know, internal affairs and how they were going to run the kingdom. If there was a war at hand, how were they going to handle it? You know, strategic strategies obviously have to be weighed in with people that a guy in those positions definitely trusts. And when it comes to MMA fighters, it's the same thing. Whether it's on the highest level or not, you have to realize that we are human beings at our core. And we get emotional, we get angry, we get disappointed in ourselves. We, most of all, get discouraged, and also we end up being afraid. There is probably 95% of fighters right now in MMA, male or female, that will tell you that they definitely are scared during the pre-fight build-ups when they're walking out to the cage, when they're announcing their names, and when they're touching gloves, because it's a very nerve-wracking thing to be locked in a cage with another human being who is trained to beat you to death. So having someone on the outside, like a head coach who's level-headed, who can see what's going on from a different perspective and can kind of give you good advice and say, hey, you got dropped this round. You made a mistake. You kept falling for the left hook. Now we have to adjust. Keep your right hand up. And when he throws the left hook, go for the takedown. A lot of times, because you've been dropped, or maybe you've just been getting teed off on, you're not going to be able to fully comprehend what's happening. And you're not going to be able to truly be able to understand what's next, how to beat this situation, and how to overcome the issue at hand. So a head coach, that's where they become the most pivotal. And on top of that, if you're training for somebody, when you're going in there and stepping in there into the octagon or the ring, you have to do your homework on that person in order to be able to perform at the highest level. And you can't just do that on your own. You need a second or third or fourth opinion. Because if not, you're going to be stuck in your head. And guys like Mike Perry... He's going to have his girlfriend in the corner, and when he's getting teed off on, he's just going to think to himself, oh, this is just a street fight, and I'm getting paid. Well, guess what? For the rest of your fights, until you finally find a gym with coaches that you respect and you listen to, then you'll start winning fights, and then you'll be on the path to success. But until then, Mike Perry's going to take a couple more beatings and probably get cut. I really hope that that doesn't happen. Because I love Mike Perry. I think his personality is great sometimes. And I think that overall, not only being a charismatic fighter, but he has some good skills in there. And hopefully he does find a coach that he can trust. Because I also see the other side of it, where you're kind of putting your trust into somebody and they're kind of letting you down when you're in the cage and when you're outside of the cage. And that sucks. Yeah, Mike Perry someone that we've kind of grown to like on this podcast it's really a shame because i think his first fight back at um is it fusion where jacare trains or um yeah fusion x yeah fusion x i think that his first fight back there was phenomenal and i think that he fights a lot of like things in his personal life that really come into his career hence his new girlfriend being in his corner like don't get me wrong we know his ex-wife or whatever i don't even know what happened um nor does it matter but 
like whatever happened there, like because his ex was in this corner before as well, and but she was with all the coaches, and you know he was he was successful. Even that Vicente Luque fight, look at that fight before his nose. Like if his nose didn't get crushed into a million pieces, think about that fight, Andre. What was the ultimate outcome? I think in the end he would have got the nod, but the visual of his nose. You know, just being destroyed kind of ruined that for him. And then you can see after that, you know, he was he was extremely timid going into the Jeff Neal fight and ultimately got finished almost immediately. Um, so I think a lot of his personal issues go into the cage with him. And that's something that he's really going to need to work on. He's going to have to go to a, like a sports psychologist and sit down with them and really identify... These are my issues. What can I do to fix them? And really give into that because if not, we're going to see this guy in the next six months fighting bare knuckle, 100%. Yeah, and that for me personally, that's like the last thing I want to see for a guy that has so much talent. But here's the issue. It is outside distractions. If you're And, and think about the fact that Mike has been given some fights that a lot of people could say he didn't deserve, like the Vicente Luque fight and especially the Jeff Neal fight, because Jeff Neal is propelling way more forward than we, we than we anticipated, or at least I anticipated. And you see, like the trajectory of guys like that's career, you've realized that Mike Perry, in a way, was kind of blessed with those opportunities. Now, here's the thing. When Mike Perry is focused, right, and he's in an environment that he enjoys, like when he was at Jackson Wink or Fusion X, he thrives in those situations, and he does so well. And just having someone that can help him put it all together, even if he has to see a sports psychiatrist to kind of put his life into perspective, then we could potentially see in the upcoming year a brand new Mike Perry with a better focused mind and... Uh, a championship mindset where his only goals are to succeed in the octagon and further his career and get into the top 10 because I believe that he can do it. He's powerful, he's strong, and he doesn't quit, he doesn't back down. And when you see performances like he had against Vicente Luque, a guy who's right now ranked in the top 8, you realize, like, damn, if Mike Perry is really in it to win it, he can do some incredible things in there. I mean, to go three rounds with a guy like Vicente and basically beat him until his nose was broken, you can't take away from that. I mean, the guy went in there and fought his butt off, and I hope that he does fix it. But here's the thing. Colby Covington is an entirely different animal. This man is very toxic, and you can clearly see that he starts a lot of problems because of the type of person that he is. And in his case... Good luck trying to find a gym who's going to be willing to take you in. And I don't really see it happening, so he has no other choice but to open up his own gym and pay sparring partners to come out and pay coaches to come out. And I can imagine that's going to be a bit expensive for him. But, you know, you get what's always coming to you. And what goes around comes back around. I think that when we look at the current state of the welterweight division... There's really only two directions. Either Leon Edwards 
wins the belt or Kamara Usman retains his belt. I don't really see Woodley getting past Gilbert Burns. And then that's a whole nother podcast episode entirely by itself talking about who's going to leave the gym to train for the, to, you know, to give the other person respect. You know, how is the, the, uh, the aura in the, the pre-fight buildup and the press conference, if we have press conferences again, like that's going to be a whole different spiel. But I don't think we see Kobe Covington back in title contention until he fights somebody legitimate. So that's all I got to say about him. So Colby Covington, 100%, has to like just hire coaches. He's probably going to be sparring with like just some boxing coach because Colby Covington, we already know, is the most hated man in MMA. He he was supposed to be like the modern day Chael Sonnen when it comes to trash talk, but in this time, the uh, I don't I guess we could still say the character that he portrays just is not conducive to this uh, the world we live in right now, especially this week, which I don't really want to get into, but um. I think that he's going to have to put out a lot of money from his pocket to uh, be able to fight at a high level once again because he goes from one of the most stacked gyms in the world to uh, nothing now. And without any guidance, someone who is extremely coachable, Colby Covington, without any guidance from a coach, his career is kind of at a standstill. He has nothing to do now. So I'm I'm looking forward to see what he pulls out, who ends up in his corner in his next fight. I, I really am curious what his next fight is, um, if he fights again, which I do think that he will, um, because he is someone who talks about going to pro wrestling. So let's continue with the pro wrestling, because this week, I don't know if you saw. You saw my post for sure. MMA and, you know, a boxing legend invades All Elite Wrestling this week on Wednesday night. We are recording this on a Thursday. You guys will hear it first thing Friday morning. Listen, I knew I saw the pay-per-view on Saturday. They had Double or Nothing. Fantastic show. If you're not a fan of pro wrestling, if... Because the only thing you see is WWE. This is not that. Please give it a try because it is so different. It brings like the campiness of like... It's like they're very self-aware. Like, yes, we're wrestlers. We know. They kind of give you like... It's like the office of wrestling. Like, they have that vibe. And I love it. Uh, the matches are fantastic. They, you're you'd love it if you've never seen it, Andre. Especially you. There's a lot of MMA influence guys. There's a lot of um, just high flying and exciting, like very exciting action. But MMA invades Saturday night. We see um, Mike Tyson was presenting a title, and then in the crowd. Who's in the front row? 
former UFC title uh, holder Vitor Belfort, current one championship roster member, looking just TRT'd out like <laughs> like you never believe. And then come Wednesday, the final segment was Mike Tyson confronting Chris Jericho. Who comes out with Tyson, Andre? Henry Cejudo, Sugar Rashad Evans, and Vitor Belfort. This was ridiculous. I saw Henry Cejudo, and I was like, give this guy a microphone, please. Please give this guy a microphone, because I would love to hear what he says. It's unfortunate. It's very unfortunate, Andre, because the... How do I say this? Tyson just was too to Tyson like it was supposed to be like a serious angle and Tyson was awful he had like this other henchman who I did not know who it was but he was really bad like really campy and like it just didn't work but it was really cool to see Henry Cejudo out there someone who we will get into next and uh Rashad Evans who I believe spent some time in TNA I'm not quite sure. I know there was a lot of people from ATT who went to TNA. We had people like Tito Ortiz um, and Rampage as well. But And then Vitor just looks like a million. But I don't care how old that guy is. He just looks fantastic, Andre. Yeah. Like I cannot wait to see this guy fight again. Yeah, it should be interesting. TRT'd up and motivated. He's one scary guy, even in his 40s, man. Yeah, and then Henry Cejudo, I think that he has some type of future in pro wrestling, even if it's just like in a managerial role, like being that annoying, really short guy. I think it works. <laughs> but, you know, we talk about his, we've been talking about his retirement since UFC 249, Andre. Uh, the Bantamweight title is officially vacated. Uh, Dana White stated that it seems like it's going to be Peter Yan versus Jose Aldo. Andre, be honest. What do you think? It was in the back of my mind. I'm not going to lie. But you know what? Uh, can we really be upset? Peter Yan is in the position that we kind of expected him to be in. And Jose Aldo is a legend. So, of course, he would still be considered... But damn, did they really snub Marlon Moraes again? That sucks. Let's see what happens with him. Maybe he gets the winner of uh, a Sunsal versus Garbrandt. Or maybe um, Sterling and Sandhagen. But damn, like, he's in a tough spot right now. You know, there's really no clear contenders for him to fight unless he's fighting down. And yeah, I think that it. this is one of those cases where it's going to be Peter Jan versus the rest of the division because everybody else is going to be gunning for him. And the crazy thing is I think that's what he wanted, low-key. I think he wanted the rest of the division to be upset that he got the title shot. Now, obviously, guys like Aljo, Aldo, Sandhagen, obviously they all believed it, and Marlon probably thought that they were a bit more deserving of the title fight. But hey, I can't wait to see this fight. I know that it's going to be a very technical striking and grappling battle. Obviously, this is the highest level of mixed martial arts with two guys like this who are extremely well-rounded. You don't know what you're going to get. 
but I will tell you that this fight is going to be very exciting. And listen, who knows? What if Jose Aldo goes out there and pulls out the upset of the year and destroys Peter Yan? We don't know. Peter Yan has never faced anybody of the caliber of Jose Aldo. Obviously, Jose is going to have the size advantage, the strength advantage, and he's definitely going in there with a lot more experience. Now, Peter Yan himself is a seasoned veteran. He's a very excellent striker and a very excellent grappler, but this is literally the pinnacle of the Bantamweight division, and we're going to see two guys scrap it out. And who knows? TJ Dillasol is going to have a tough time when he gets back because there is a bunch of vicious sharks swimming in that freaking ocean of the Bantamweight division. Yeah, we're going to have to get into Bantamweight sometime next week, but oh my God, if there is, there's like no shortage of fire main events for the Bantamweight division. Now, just some quick hits. Um, in an interview, Dana White stated that Fight Island should be completed by mid-June, bringing the first card there in July. So that should be fun. I'm still curious. You know, they're talking about an infrastructure. Is it going to be fights outside? Um, or is it going to be inside? I love the idea, as you stated, on probably the first time we ever brought up Fight Island, of them fighting on like the beach outside. I think that that would bring such an awesome visual to the sport. It'd be so different. Um, as well as Nevada approves the next five UFC cards, as well as two top-ranked boxing cards, which will be on June 9th and June 11th, um, for to return. Um, I'm excited for this weekend and weekends to come because the Apex... Something that Dana stated, which I thought of immediately, like, I know why this guy's fighting to go back to um, Vegas. It's the production value that's going to come out of the Apex. It's their place. They already have cameras set up. All they need is people to stand behind them and, you know, press play. Like, they know what they're doing when it comes to the Apex. It's going to look très magnifique. I'm so excited. Yeah, I am as well, man. I know that Fight Island's going to work out, and I know that eventually, once this ban is lifted, things will go back to some type of normalcy, especially for the UFC. But listen, man, Fight Island is going to be insane. And I tell you, if we get to see Costa versus Adesanya on Fight Island, no crowd on the beach, God, man, there, I don't think there's anything that would be better than that. To watch that go down... Oh, man, I can't wait. Yeah, Andre, so real quick, let's get into some fight announcements. Um, for the UFC Flyweight Championship, a rematch, Davison Figueredo versus Joseph Benavidez. Then we have Tisha Torres versus Brianna Van Buren. We have, let's see, all these fight announcements courtesy of MMA Fight Night Live on instagram thank you joe devlin once again then we have cynthia calvillo versus jessica i we have ryan benoit versus tyson nam here goes the fire one that i think you're gonna like pedro munoz versus frankie edgar oh yeah <laughs> great fight did frankie edgar change his hair yet 
Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> Again in the flyweight division, Alexandra Pantoja versus Askar Askarov. Great fight. Yeah, we have in featherweight Andre Feely versus Charles Jourdain. We have Maurice Green versus John Vellante. We have Matt Favela is returning versus Frank Camacho. And then a lot of fights just rebooked. We have Poirier versus Hooker. Uh, Betch Cohea is coming back. Dude, I don't know how this girl is ranked. <laughs> she might be one of the worst <laughs> ranked fighters in the UFC. Yeah, I agree. Then we have heavyweight prospect Surreal Gang versus Shamil Abdurahimov. Looks like uh, Surreal Gang's finally going to get his chance at a ranked opponent and be able to crack that top 15. Awesome. We have a quick turnaround for Brian Kelleher against Cody Stamen. Damn, that's going to be a war. Yeah, and then something we already talked about, uh, Peter Yan versus Jose Aldo. And then Tanner Bozer versus Philippe Linz. So those are your fight announcements for this week. Uh, all right, here's the kicker, right? Jessica I versus Cynthia Calvillo is a main event. Oh, is the UFC really like tugging a lot? Like that's tough. That's tough to sell. That looks like desperation to me. Yeah, and I don't honestly, Andre. I don't think I'm crazy when I say I just don't get it. Like I, I, I don't get it, Andre. It's like why out of all the people. They could have done any other fight as a main event. Like, literally anything else. Literally anything else. They could have done... I don't even know. Like, what? Felder versus Iaquinta for a main event? Oh, they you and Zeus done... could have main evented this over that. Listen. Listen to... You know the... I mean? I'd rather see... <laughs> I'd rather see the Andre Feely fight in the main event. At least I'd know it'd be entertaining. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, dude, listen, even Surreal Gain in the main event would be more entertaining than that. Marvin Vittori versus Carl Robeson is on this card. Listen, that fight had so much hype off of the controversy from UFC 249 that they could have main evented. Yeah, I mean, listen, man, it's crazy, but I guess this is their way of kind of saying, like, we have to take the women's division seriously too. But it would have been different had it been like Jessica I versus like a Caitlin Chikagan or like an Antonina Shevchenko. That fight I would have definitely taken seriously. Or even like a Jessica I versus Joanne Calderwood. Because in that case, those are legit high profile fights in that division. But uh, to do Cynthia Calvillo going up to 125 only because I think you and I both knows because she doesn't want to cut weight, which is the main reason why everybody goes up to the next weight class. But listen, I don't know. I think that it's stupid. I don't really think Cynthia Calvillo is going to win this fight. I feel like Jessica I is literally just going to outbox her for three round- well for five rounds. 
unless she finishes her, which is definitely not going to happen. But, yeah, this is going to be a snooze fest of a main event. Definitely not excited for it. (laughs) I guess, well, we're not going to take off. But I guess we'll talk about it when the time comes. Andre, yeah. this weekend we do have Tyron Woodley versus Gilbert Burns, a fight that I'm excited for, a fight that a few weeks ago you said, why? But now it seems like you're on the train. You want to see Woodley lose. Let's talk about it. Uh, j- let's start at the undercard. Chris Gutierrez versus Vince Morales in the featherweight division. Then in the bantamweight division we have Luis Smoka versus Casey Kenny. Obviously, they understand that they're like a smaller fight on this card, and Casey Kenny clearly trying to sell that he's going to crush Luis Smoka, which um, I'd like to see him try. Uh, Then we got at flyweight Tim Elliott versus Brandon Royval. Light heavyweight Jamal Hill versus Kildeson for race. They Abreu. That is a hell of a name. (laughs) <laughs> Andre, a fight that I'm excited for. Uh, Tuesday night contender guy, Daniel Rodriguez versus in um, newcomer Gabe Green in the welterweight division. Daniel Rodriguez looked great in his last fight. Um, I do think that he he has the platform here to put on a great performance once again. Then the featured prelim, someone that you're excited to see, Caitlin Chikagan. <laughs> versus Antonina Shevchenko. It's so unfortunate for Caitlin. Like, she has to face each Shevchenko back-to-back. Yeah. And and then the sad thing is that one of them already left the blueprint on how to beat her. So this is definitely going to be either a wake-up call for Caitlin or it's definitely going to be, like, an easy ride for Antonina. (sighs) But we'll see. I mean, Antonina has lost before, so we'll see if she can really like step up to the plate and fight a former title challenger who just fought her sister. But I have a question for you. I'm here to answer it. What happens if Antonina knocks her out? Where does that leave Antonina in the flyweight division? Yeah, because if you think about it, right? Yeah, Caitlin Chikagan is, I believe... Still number one coming off yeah. of a title fight. All right, let's let's just let's check the rankings just to make sure I don't want to give any false information because I don't like to get corrected on Twitter. <laughs> but okay, so Caitlin Chikagan is number two. Yeah. So she'd be uh, right. Antonina has a chance to move up from twelve to number two. If yeah. she beats Caitlyn, uh, she'll be right under Jessica I. Yeah, and in MMA math terms, they probably won't put her at number two. They'll probably put her at, like, number four. So this is my theory, and I'm just going to be honest. If she beats Caitlyn and she finishes her, she either gets the Jessica I fight or she gets the Joanne Calderwood fight. Mainly because we still have to figure out what we're doing with Joanne. Joanne's still top tier in that division. So Joanne was, uh, you could correct me if I'm wrong, Joanne was supposed to get the next shot, right? Yeah. And then um, Valentina got hurt, which I believe she's cleared. Now, here's the thing. with We're waiting for that fight island. 
for these um, overseas fighters to be able to fight again. Because I believe, I don't think Valentina lives in the United States. No, 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 no. Okay. She doesn't. But that's the thing. It's Now, obviously, this is not really taboo, but it's something that is kind of like laughed at. But like, what if Antonina does beat all these girls and is the number one contender? This isn't like boxing where we have four titles in one division. So, in a crazy world, do you think they just scrap it out just because? Um, my belief, I think, and you, we could probably find an interview. I believe that they want to fight each other. Oh, my God. Yeah, I think that they do. Now, like I said, I believe there's an interview out where they said, like, their dream fight is for them to fight each other. Oh, my God. Could you imagine? It'd be like that movie Warrior when those two brothers fought in the main event. Guy got through Kurt Angle, Anthony Johnson, you name it. Yeah, now but, the sad thing is that there's no way Antonina beats her sister. No. But um, but <laughs> it still would be cool to see. It would be. It was kind of like, you know, if Klitschko, like Vitaly would have ever fought his brother Vladimir when they were both in their primes. But obviously, it's one of those silly instances where you're like, they'd never fight each other. But I didn't know that. So that would be interesting. But it'd be really hard to watch, like, Valentina beat the mess out of Antonina, like, on the ground. Like, I don't know if I'd want to see that. And then again, you also run the risk of, like, Valentina feeling bad for her and just taking it easy, putting her in her submission. And then people are going to be like, oh, this fight sucks. <laughs> like, they're taking it easy on each other. But it's like, what do you want them to do? They're sisters. <laughs> yeah, so I love that you brought that up. It makes the fight, like, we kind of have to watch it now. Like, yeah. we got number 12 going against number 2. And it's like you said, they're not going to put her up at number 2. But I could see her falling somewhere in the middle right before, like, Roxanne Mataferi. Like, in that, like, 5 or 6 area. Yeah. Like, because Ro- it's Roxy and then um, Lauren Murphy, I believe. And then right under her is Viviana Rujo. So I could see her moving up in that area. Yeah, it's a weird it's a weird division because this is the crazy part. We still have Macy Barber that's coming back. We don't know who she's fighting, but we know that, you know, she's definitely going to want to fight a ranked opponent, obviously, but more like a high tier, maybe top 8. And we got to see what what happens. I mean, that last fight that she had was crazy. I know she blew out her knee, but she got dominated by someone that she was supposed to steamroll. So, let's see what happens. I mean, is this becoming one of those interesting divisions like it was in the beginning? It is. I mean, we have, you know, veterans like Valentina, Lauren Murphy, and Roxy, which I am a fan of off their last performances. I mean, Roxy, what's not to like about Roxanne Modafferi, to be honest? Especially for you, who's like a fan of, like, that culture, the anime culture. Like, she is top tier like weeb but (laughs) and they're just so friendly and then you have people like joanne calderwood who's so soft-spoken she just comes off like the nicest lady ever like this division is starting to become must watch because then you have people like you said macy barber working her way up antonina working her way up you know and i i know for a fact 
they can beat the people like Jessica I. The people in the top uh, four, like two, number one and number four, like Jennifer Maya and Jessica I. Dangerous, dangerous fights with these girls. Yeah, man, and and, and then the crazy thing is it it also brings up the current development that I was just reading about on Twitter today, where Weilai Zhang actually spoke in an interview saying that her interest is fighting Rose Namajunas next for the belt, kind of pushing the rematch between Jessica Andraj and Rose to the side and just saying, obviously, Rose deserves this. But the question is, if we do see one of these, well, these two girls scrap, could we see a super fight in the future and in the near future? Because, one, Rose fighting at 125 would be easy for her. She's a way, she's a much bigger 115, you know, type fighter than a lot of the other girls in that division. And then you have this tank in, in Wei Lai Zhang who could definitely move up and definitely make a serious like implication to be another double champ. You know, I, I think that it's an exciting development right now. Um, not just for, for 125, but one, for 115 as well, because there's a lot of girls still there, like Suarez. We still have Rose, Andraj, Claudia Gadelia, kind of, in a lot of people's eyes, getting an undeserved win. But right now, the women's divisions, with the exception of 135, are definitely heating up a bit this year. So it's interesting. Yeah, so before we get into the main card... For UFC, this is actually on ESPN. Um, let's talk to you about our sponsor, Exceptional Foods at Home. Head to exfoods.com slash shop. Enter code Elroy01 at checkout to get a nice little discount on restaurant quality meat. Exceptional Foods at Homes brings you the restaurant quality meat that, you know, some of my favorite restaurants, Cuba Libre, uh, Taqueria Feliz, Phil's Tavern, like some of the best restaurants in this area order from Exceptional Foods. And those same steaks, chicken, pork chops, whatever you want, you can have that at home with Exceptional Foods at home. Andre, you've had some of the meat I've cooked at home. How good is it? Whew. Let me tell you, folks. It is delicious and you can taste the quality and you can taste that the people that are preparing this food are putting a lot of love into it and they're definitely you know putting their best interest into this to make sure that the customer gets the best consumption possible so i definitely stand by this product andre that touches me in my heart because if you don't know i would like to tell the listeners that i am the person who cuts this meat. So I would love to bring you this product to your house. EXfoods.com slash shop. Enter code Elroy01 for $5 off your order. Thank you, Exceptional Foods, for sponsoring this podcast. Also, Andre, teespring.com slash store slash YBE MMA podcast. I sent you a design this weekend that might enter the store pretty soon. A few more tweaks. I don't want to be too, like, I don't want to look like this one logo that 
like I didn't base it off of that, but when I put it all together, I was like, oh, this kind of looks like this. And then I looked it up and I'm like, oh, it really looks like it. So <laughs> a few more tweaks. That design will be in the store very soon. Please, shirts start at $12. Andre can vouch that the shirt is very good quality. The print is great. And it feels really nice. If you want something that's super soft, 14 bucks. Killer deal. Thank you guys for supporting us in advance. We really appreciate it. Let's talk about this main card, Andre. Again, starting with the women. In the women's strawweight division, one of my personal favorites. Very easy on the eyes. Mackenzie Dern versus Hannah Cyphers. The beautiful thing was I was scrolling through Instagram few minutes ago before i cut the ad and uh mackenzie dern guaranteeing a submission on saturday night i'd love to see it i want her to get back in the winning winning column i do too i think she has the talent and uh i think that if she can focus herself and hopefully she fixed a lot of the issues she was having from her last fight i think she can pull off a pretty impressive victory over hannah cyphers but you never know. Yeah, her last fight, like, Amanda Rebus, someone who just comes off like such an animal now after that fight. Like, I cannot wait. After her fighting Mackenzie Dern, I cannot wait for her fights now. <laughs> like, yeah. I am so excited to see her crush Paige Van Zandt. Uh, but I digressed. In the lightweight division, Brock Weaver versus Roosevelt Roberts. Um, I'm. I really want to see Brock Weaver get back into the winning column. Yeah, yeah. And then no, no easy task. Roosevelt Roberts, nine and one. You know, still young in his career, but working his way up and really decent record. Yeah. Uh, Billy Quarantillo versus Spike Carlisle, and then in the co-main event, Blagoy Ivanov versus Augusto Sakai. Uh, Blagoy always comes to fight. Um, never goes down, <laughs> never, ever goes down, but, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing him once again. And in the main event, Andre, please break it down for us. Tyron Woodley finally coming back after losing his UFC welterweight title against Gilbert Burns, someone who called this shot and he's finally getting the opportunity in this main event, Andre. This is beautiful. This could be poetry in motion if Gilbert Burns can pull off this victory. Andre, what what is his key to victory? Well, for Burns, the key to victory is a submission. Now, obviously, Woodley is a black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu himself, but Burns is obviously a much higher level of a black belt and a very, very excellent grappler as a whole. I mean, the guy's got great wrestling himself, but I feel that if he tries to get into a stand-up battle with Woodley, I feel like he's probably going to be surprised to see that Woodley's not going to back down and will be willing to throw hands with him and kicks as well. So I think that he has to take a much more methodical approach than just kind of trying to land that knockout shot or get, you know, get that easy road to victory where he hurts him and goes for the submission. I mean, T. Wood is obviously fired up just to be back in the octagon, and I don't think he's going to take Gilbert lightly. We saw his last performance. I mean, he completely destroyed Damian Maia with a left hook, and 
definitely defended a lot of Damian Maya's back attempt attacks. And, uh, you know, we're looking at a very dangerous matchup for both guys, you know. Now, obviously, Gilbert's ceiling won't be destroyed if he loses the Tyrant since he is fighting the number one contender. But there is a lot going into this fight for Woodley, and there's a lot on the line. If he loses to Gilbert Burns, he's going to be pushed back pretty far in the rankings, I bet. So in this case, too, we have to look at Woodley's key to victory. And don't be surprised when I say this, but I think that with careful consideration and a very strategic plan, I think he's going to have to tap into his wrestling. I think that he's going to have to put up a fight where he can mix his kickboxing and wrestling together, kind of like a GSP style, and really nullify Gilbert Burns's main strengths, which is heavy hands, heavy leg kicks, and really good back takes. I mean, he has to be smart because at any moment, if he makes one simple mistake, Gilbert will capitalize. Now, we've seen that Tyron Woodley has the strength advantage in this fight. I mean, he's naturally a much bigger person than Gilbert, so he's going to have to use every advantage possible to win this fight and to get himself back in the title contention, and I think Gilbert Burns is the perfect guy for him. But overall, this is a great main event, and I'm super excited to see these two throw down for a chance to get a crack at that welterweight belt. Yeah, I mean Gilbert Burns. First of all, there's no way he is five foot ten. Um, fantastic jujitsu. This is what I love. I love the idea of. Excuse me. I love the idea of. Thank you so much. I love the idea of jujitsu versus wrestling, with two guys who have heavy hands. Both of them. Um. Now, we've seen Tyron's hands work more than Gilbert at this point. But Gilbert, nothing to sneeze at. Someone who I think has a great chance here to do it. Yeah, no, I agree. This is the crazy thing. We look at both of their highlights. Both of them are definitely finishing machines. But if I'm thinking about the power advantage between both of them... I would say that Tyron has it. And if Tyron does land, excuse me, a good shot, I think he could put Gilbert's lights out. I mean, listen, Dan Hooker put Gilbert Burns' lights out. So if anybody could do it, it's definitely this monster in Tyron Woodley. And who knows? He might come in there and steamroll Gilbert just to send a message to Usman and whoever else is gunning for him and say, hey, I, was fo- I wasn't focused my last fight. But I'm coming in here to kill. So it's going to be one of those fights that I'm going to be on my edge, on the edge of my seat from the opening bell to the final one. And I am just ecstatic. Yeah, this is going to be a good card. A very underrated card. I think that, uh, I think that it won't get the respect that it is due. But the good thing about the UFC's card this weekend is that it is on ESPN. Nobody has to buy anything. You can just tune in, turn your TV on, and watch some MMA. I am excited to see it again. I think the week off did us very well. Yeah, I think that MMA overall had a really rocky beginning to this uh, pandemic situation. But it's starting to pick up. 
and you really have to give the UFC credit for finding a way to put these fights on in a safe manner, but still within the parameters of it being entertaining. And I think that we really do have to show them respect because right now we could have no MMA. And this podcast, you know, probably would have maybe suffered a bit in the MMA aspect, but I'm just grateful that we do have content to share. And uh, I'm glad we have some people listening. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Before we do head out, like Andre just said, we are grateful for our listeners. Um, We really took a step back in promoting, like, selling merchandise because we understand the um the world at this point isn't like jumping at the chance to kind of spend money but uh we are here we do have a store check us out teespring.com slash store slash ybe mma podcast like i said our shirts start at twelve dollars i will since it is getting a little warmer out, you know, I will be adding a tank top to the store. But me personally, I do like to just cut the sleeves off. Uh, I think you get a better, you know, look on your chest when you cut your own sleeves. <laughs> but Andre, is there anything else that you would love to share with us before heading out? Uh, no. Um, this has been a great, another great episode, that I might say, as we always have great episodes. And, uh... Thanks for being a good host, man. Yeah, for sure. That has been this week's YBE MMA. You can find the show on social media. Well, you can find the show on Instagram at YBE MMA Podcast. You can find me on all forms of social media, Elroy Prepson. One word, Andre. Well, everyone, you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Twitch under the name Dre. And yes, I will begin to stream next week again, and I will be doing streams every Tuesday morning from 11 o'clock to 1 p.m. So please check me out there on Wednesdays, and uh, thank you all for tuning in. Also, you can find me on Facebook as my regular name, Andre. Yeah, for sure. Once again, next week, we probably will be joined once again by our good buddy, Zeus. Uh, We miss you, buddy. Hope to talk to you next week. If it's your birthday, happy birthday. Enjoy the fights this weekend, and we'll see you next week.